Hello and welcome to the podcast for the June issue of The Lancet Infectious Diseases. John McConnell, TLID's editor, is here with me, Richard Lane, to discuss some of the highlights. Welcome, John. Let's start with the leading edge this month, which I guess unsurprisingly is looking at the H1N1 or swine flu situation. We've used as the sort of premise for this uh, editorial the, the media coverage, which uh, has happened over the past three or four weeks of the um, so-called swine flu outbreak. Our take is that it's, it's actually been, it's been reasonably balanced, though there has been some uh, exaggeration um, in, in certain places, but that's what the media does. So uh, not that surprising, I guess. But I think, uh, by and large, the media's done a, a fairly responsible job. And then we also have a, uh, an, a, a long news desk article, which was looking at the swine flu situation at the time that we went to press. And I believe it's, what's it now being called? Swine origin influenza virus. So that's probably what we should, we, we should be calling it from now on. So we've looked at the vaccine situation. Uh, and we've also um, got some uh, information on here on why, uh, as it is currently, the, uh, the the virus is unlikely to cause uh, serious disease. Its characteristics is that it uh, attaches to the uh, to the upper airways and thus causes quite a mild disease. One of the problems with the, with the H5N1 uh, virus, the so-called avian flu virus, is that it uh, attaches to the to the lower airways. It gets quite into the bronchioles and causes quite a quite a severe disease and therefore has a high mortality rate. That's not what we're seeing with the swine origin flu and that appears to be because it's uh, attaching to a, the, the different part of the respiratory system. Just one thought about the media issue, John, which I know you know has been much discussed, mm-hmm. not just in your leader. And I just wonder whether, whilst the media coverage, I agree, probably is balanced, I wonder, one, I wonder whether one of the failings uh, is the lack of the public to grasp the meaning of the word pandemic because they hear the word pandemic and they panic. Pandemic means panic or pandemonium. That, I think, is a very interesting point. And, uh, of course, the, the WHO definition of a pandemic is, has got to do with um, where the virus is being transmitted within the community. So in how many countries, how many different, uh, in fact, WHO areas of the world, the virus is undergoing trains of transmission. It's, it's not, strictly speaking, got anything to do with seriousness. Though I suspect the fact that the WHO has not gone from their alert state 5 to 6 uh, has actually uh, got a lot to do with the fact that it's not a very, very serious infection, even though the seriousness is, is not in their pandemic criteria. And also, John, obviously recently H1N1 just last weekend has been the focus of attention at a European meeting in Helsinki. Tell us more about that meeting. Yes, well, that was the European Conference on Clinical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases. The Lancet, with the organisers of the conference, organised a late breaker session last Sunday uh, where we had uh, a couple of experts. We had uh, Albert Osterhaus, who's a world-renowned expert on flu, and uh, Javier Garou, and uh, they discussed the, uh, the the latest knowledge on the um, the H1N1 swine origin virus. And what we did is the the Lancet organised to have that uh, session videoed, and that video is now available for um, for viewing on the uh, Lancet.com's own H1N1 microsite. And alongside the, spe- the video of the speakers, the, their slides are running simultaneously. So you can follow their, their slide presentation and you can watch them talk at the same time. Now, a week ago, the Lancet launched and published its first UCL Lancet commission. And this is looking at the health threats from climate change. And here we are, John, just a week later, and you've got an interesting looking review looking very specifically at climate change within the, within the context of infectious diseases. Well, this, this review is specifically looking at climate change and infectious diseases in Europe. So it comes out of a series of meetings which have been held over the last few years 
It's a project which is being led by the uh, ECDC, the European Centres for Disease Control, in Stockholm. Uh, and what their objective is, is to get together some sort of rational policy on uh, monitoring and a proactive public health response to the uh, to, to the potential problems um, around how climate change might affect the patterns uh, of infectious diseases. So in this review that they've looked at a number of different infections, they've looked at um, vector-borne diseases, they've looked at food-borne diseases, water-borne diseases, uh, and they've looked at, um, reviewed the, the best available information on, particularly in the context of Europe, uh, on how these might be affected, how their distributions and their, their prevalence might be affected by climate change. And what are the main take-home messages from this, do you think? Well, I think you could, you could do an interesting comparison, if you wanted to, with the, uh, the Lancet Commission. So, for example, the authors of the, uh, the TLID paper look at the potential for uh, malaria to um, spread into Europe. And, of course, malaria was in Europe um, until, I, I don't think Europe was declared malaria-free uh, until the, the, the early 1970s. And um, the authors take, a, I think, a very balanced and um, a nuanced report um, position on malaria, potential for malaria in Europe, perhaps much more so than the, uh, the position taken by the authors of the, the Lancet Commission. Um, and I, th I think what they're telling us is that though the potential exists for the transmission of malaria in Europe, uh, because the mosquitoes are around and because climate change might allow the conditions which would allow the mosquitoes to, to reproduce, uh, they're saying that there are many other factors to do with socioeconomic conditions, to do with infrastructure, which means that they think that malaria probably won't be an emerging problem for, for most of Europe uh, in, in the future. And I think the authors also do point out that um, an infectious disease like dengue could be possibly be more of a threat. In but they are a bit more concerned about dengue, um, and... Um, but the issue there is that um, is that the mosquitoes capable of transmitting dengue are again are at the moment confined to just a, a, f a few European countries. But that, that situation could change. And is there an overall conclusion which is saying a bit like the Lancet Commission did that climate change is inevitable, and it depends on your marker as to how much you think the temp the Earth's temperature is going to go up as to what action, preemptive action, yeah. you should take. Um, the premise of the whole paper is that, that climate change is, is inevitable, but the position they're pay taking, particularly about infectious diseases and climate change, is that we need to monitor very carefully and we do need to take a, a, a proactive response and we need to be prepared to, to gather data in a systematic fashion and to act on that information. Finally, John, tell us about um, Grand Round. I, I love that title um, for, for um, I think it's fundamentally a review, but calling it a Grand Round, and this concerns community-acquired MRSA. Tell us more about this. Yeah, so what do we have in this paper, Richard, is um, the presentation of two cases, patients who were living together in the United States, in the Atlanta area, and they presented with a... Um, uh, with um, fever, chills, cough, and they had previously, about a week before, both of them had uh, had, had a flu-like illness, and it was during the flu season, so it may well have been that they did have flu. And it turns out that the, um, the cause of their, what was diagnosed as a pneumonia, was what's called community-associated MRSA. So these people had uh, an MRSA infection, which they had caught not in a healthcare setting where MRSA is, is typically caught, but they had caught uh, out in the community. Uh, and this is a growing problem in the United States. hasn't hasn't yet become a um, an important health problem in Europe, though, though, though there have been cases 